This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Allen back to throw again. Throws one over the middle. It's tipped, and it's intercepted. C.J. Mosley's got it. Runs right to the 10. Five. Touchdown. Jones has a kick away by Jamal Adams. And he is in for a catch. Touchdown. That's over the middle in the air. Picked off. Brian Poole. And welcome back to another episode of the Cool Your Jets podcast. I'm your host, Ben Blessington, with Michael Nania. Uh, it's been a while since we've had our, our last episode, just a few weeks, and, and we uh, will continue having our, our film room uh, series with, with a few players in the coming weeks. But uh, we were just going to take a little break just in case, uh, just because you know, nothing was really happening at the moment. And then uh, pretty much just a giant atom bomb by Jamal, uh, Jamal Adams this week, uh, requesting a trade. Do you intend much- that pun? I really didn't, and now I just heard it. And it's almost <laughs> as bad as that last podcast when I made that joke about C.J. Mosley, and you just didn't understand that that was the player that we were looking at. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he, he, he dropped a giant atom bomb. Thank you, Michael. Uh, this week, requesting a trade, and then he's pretty much doing everything he can to get out of New York, a bunch of cryptic tweets and videos of him saying, you know, he's trying to get to Dallas, and then he had a tweet today, or I guess by the time you're listening to this yesterday, um, you know, about Marcus May, about how he'll miss playing with, like basically just talking about the Jets in past tense. Uh, I'm sure by the time you're listening to this, there'll probably be even more cryptic tweets or, or videos or, or other, um, you know, messages from Jamal basically trying to get out of New York. So Michael and I figured we should hop on the mic, just talk about it, break down the situation. Um, as always, you can follow us at CYJPod on Twitter. You can follow Michael at Michael underscore Nania. You can find this podcast. Uh, if you just search up Cool Your Jets or wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, uh, and whatnot. We're also on jetsxfactor.com, the best place to go uh, for Jets news. Uh, Michael, I guess, well, here's what we want to do. We want, we want to talk about it, you know, break down, but obviously everybody's kind of heard every sort of, you know, opinion on this, on this Jamal subject. But we also, we also want to jump into, let's say the Jets do trade him. What are some of the potential offers they could be looking for from some of the teams that he listed? Uh, we could talk about those, see which ones are the best of the Jets, which ones are the realistic options. But first, let's just talk about it, Michael. Let's just kind of get it all off our chest. I'll start with you. What are your thoughts on this situation, just from a whole, and then we'll dive into the specifics. Yeah, I think the biggest thing with this whole situation is to just understand how little we know about everything. There are just so many details, so many factors at play that – we that we really just don't know about on the outside like because you know for the most part it seems like Adams really just clearly wants out and if that's the case then there there have to have to have been things going on behind the scenes you know whether it's Adam Gase which Antonio Cromartie was hinting at or you know whatever it may be if did the Jets actually make an offer to him and did they lowball him there are just so many different things that could have happened might have happened that we really don't know and so that, that just makes it so hard to evaluate. And then just looking forward, you know, as we go into this offseason, the Jets still have control of him for three years, essentially. With this, he's still under contract this year. They have the team option, and they could tag him after that. 
So they have plenty of control over him. And then he doesn't have – it doesn't make a lot of sense for him to sit out this next season if they do have a season. Uh, so there are just so many – there's so much uncertainty with this. And then in terms of trading him, you know, our team's going to give the Jets compensation that would make sense if you bring Jamal back. Does it play into Joe Douglas's everything he's preached about building a culture, which he has done a great job of, uh, both with the players he drafted and signed, and then just overall in free agency. Uh, his approach, you know, establishing that the Jets are not going to be a team that's pushed, bullied around, uh, a team that is going to st- draw a line in the stand and s- draw a line in the sand and stick to it. He really established all of these things very well throughout his first offseason, and it would kind of be walking back on that to bring Jamal back after everything that he's uh, – just the way that he's kind of laid the – kind of put, thrown the organization under the rug with all the things he said publicly. So it, it would kind of be walking back on everything he's established so far. So they're just overall, there's a lot of uncertainty. There are reasons to side with the Jets. There are reasons to side with Adams. There, it's just tough overall to evaluate. And I think from my perspective, you know, from a fan's point of view, it definitely hurts a lot because of uh, just Adams is, in addition to how great he is on the field, the best safety in the league, you know, he's really pledged himself to being that guy, to be, you know, the, the centerpiece in the face behind uh, just turning around this organ, just the way this team has looked at and its fortunes over the past few years. He's really just publicly made himself that guy. So for him to just turn around and all that, it hurts. But at the same time, I think a lot of fans are overreacting a little bit just with a lack of understanding that, you know, he doesn't have to make decisions for the fans that he's going right. to operate in his own interest as he should uh, and do what he thinks is best. Is this what's actually best for him? You know, we'll see if he's able to get his way, but uh, I think a lot of fans are overreacting a little bit. Yes. I feel pretty, it, it definitely hurts a lot. You, every fan, every Jets fan has the right to feel really frustrated right now, but at the same time, I think you shouldn't go too far over the line. Just, assassinating his character and things like that it's really immature but at the same time to act like he has this responsibility to the Jets fan base uh, I think that's a little bit much because you know he's a player he doesn't the fans are not his responsibility so I think that a lot of fans are going over the line there but at the same time every fan has the right to be frustrated right now when your best player who many times publicly has pledged himself to this uh, to this franchise and turning it around just kind of walks back on that. It is frustrating to see, but there are probably things behind the scenes we don't know about that pushed him over that ledge. So just overall, it's a a very – it's a murky situation. There are a lot of things at play that we don't have the details on. And looking forward, there's just so many different ways to see it playing out. Uh, Everything that you could see happening, there are good reasons for it not to happen in terms of him getting traded – uh, would it make, will the, again, will the Jets actually get compensation that makes sense in terms of him staying? Would Joe Douglas actually want that for the culture he's trying to build? Would the locker room accept right. that? So there are, it's a tough situation. So many things uh, in the mix right now. Yeah. I mean, you touched on a lot there. Uh, I think the first thing that we should start with is, yeah, you, you talked about there's a lot that we don't know um, that's going on behind the scenes. I would say that the, the public really knows and pretty much just through Jamal. Uh, and maybe Antonio Camardi, like, what do you think? 30% of the situation? I mean, there's just so much about, you're right. I mean, maybe the, the there's Jamal talking about how they said he, they were going to bring him a contract offer. 
um, and after the draft, and then nothing happened there. You know, what exactly was Joe Douglas's word? You know, how worried are the Jets about um, the national pandemic going on, not only as it relates to, you know, obviously everything happening in the world right now, but also how will it affect the, the 2021 cap? Um, there, there's just so much happening uh, right now. And, and it's also like, yeah, I mean, he is a safety. He's an amazing safety at that, but he isn't a quarterback, a left tackle, uh, a corner and an edge rusher. Um, you could maybe strike corner from that. It's really, you know, quarterback, left tackle and an edge rusher, the guys that you, you commit to paying if you have one of them. Well, obviously, you, could, you should definitely pay Jamal if you can. But I can see the argument of, you know, you don't want to, especially right now, your top assets all tied up in inside linebacker, running back and, and strong safety. Um, yeah, I, I think I just feel, uh, let's go back to, to, to what I was just saying is, is what we don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I think the big thing is, is that Jamal keeps alluding to uh, there's no trust in the organization. Um, he's, you know, basically has vilified Joe Douglas and the Jets organization. And it's, it's confusing to, to many fans. And I think that's part of the reason they're, they're getting upset because I think if, if Jamal had just, you know, even if we just saw the trade, uh, the, the, the tweet from Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, whoever it was that Jamal Adams requested a trade. I think that there would certainly be a level of, of, of fans who were angry. Because, you know, it, it, you would, they would point to everything you just talked about, how he, you know, came that he would tweet about how he's different and a culture changer uh, and, and whatnot. And that would certainly frustrate uh, a large portion of, of the fan base. But I think what pissed people off the most is then when you see, well, here's eight teams that I'll play for without having to get an extension. And then it's just like, well, hold on, you know, fuck you. I mean, that I think is the source of a lot of anger from Jets fans. I get what you're saying. Cause you're right. It's like, look, Jamal Adams just inherited the Jets fan base when he got drafted here. He didn't grow up a Jets fan. And I think most of the time when you see a player in a dispute with a team, most of the time I think people uh, side with the players, as you should, because, you know, the team, uh, you know, unfairly or fairly or whatever, they, they do have so much control over a, set, a certain player. I think what pissed people off, and it pissed me off too, is that. It's just the fact that it's like you come in and you talk about how you're – a different and how you're different and you're a culture changer. Um, and then the fact that the jets, you know, answered the phone when they were called about you at the trade deadline, um, didn't, didn't trade you, didn't seriously discuss trading you just answered the phone, then said that they were going to pay you. They want to pay you. They want you to be here for the rest of, uh, of your career. Um, and then a national pandemic hits, they, don't want to pay you this offseason. They want to pay you next offseason. And then all of a sudden there's no trust in the organization. He wants out. Um, not only that, I'm fine uh, not getting a contract extension, but I, I want to be you know elsewhere. And it's just, it's just kind of annoying, I, I guess. And I, I would say he's also not going about it the right way. I, I think he's just showing a little bit of immaturity. But I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, that's definitely, it's definitely immature on the whole. It's just really surprising because a lot of the things you just mentioned, uh, there are things that, you know, he should have an understanding of players do not get extended after three years. Very often, you know, Christian McCaffrey obviously just did, which Adams pointed out in one of his tweets uh, or his, one of his Instagram replies to a random person, one of his thousand of those, but um, it, it just doesn't happen that often. It's very rare. And especially in this, current situation where a lot of teams uh, aren't operating the same way that they usually do with the global circumstances. So um, you have that at play. You also have the fact that, um, you know, just in addition to the fact that players getting extended after three years doesn't happen very often, 
of the whole pandemic thing as I, which I was just talking about, but that does ha, has had an effect on the way the whole league is operated. So the fact that he hasn't been aware of those things and also with what he's doing publicly and just the fact that it could make him look less attractive potentially to other teams in terms of, you know, his overall uh, trust, his loyalty off the field, things like that. But the fact that the Jets have control of him and that they probably would pay him down the line just not until after the season so it'll be interesting to see if at this actually works out for him because uh scott mason had a really laid it out in a good way he's just trying to push all the buttons seeing which one is the eject button that's going to get him out of there uh so he clearly wants out though that's the thing that seems pretty obvious and the thing that we don't know is exactly why you know did the jets actually make an offer to him when Adams himself said they would earlier this offseason. And when, if they did do that, you know, did they give him, give him an offer that was way below his actual market value? And if that's the case, then I think uh, that is something that you could say for Adams' side. If the Jets, right. He's clearly the best safety in the league. Yeah, There's it, hardly it, an argument to that. So if the Jets did you know, give him, say, a $10 million per year offer or $12 million per year, then, then you could say that's just – poor evaluation on the Jets part and a true low ball so but we don't know these things for sure so something definitely happened behind the scenes that ticked him off but at the same time it seems really clear the Jets are still intent on bringing him back and extending him at some point so it'll be it's very tough because the Jets have control but Adams also has some leverage in the fact that Joe Douglas has really committed to building this culture and bringing him back just wouldn't really play into that very well. It would kind of take back a lot of what he's established so far. So it's a really pretty even battle right now. And it's going to be interesting to see if the if either side can come out with what they want. Can Adams get to a team he wants to go to and get a contract he thinks he's worth? Can the Jets, uh, if they can't keep their franchise player, can they get a package back for him that is, you know, worth what worth the value that he brings to the table? So uh, and this is probably going to take a long time, too, with the current situation uh, in the world and just everything. Uh, the fact that we don't even know if training camp is going to get pushed back. Is the season going to get pushed back? So this could really take a long time. Uh, yeah, I think – well, uh, let's go back a little bit because you, you mentioned Adam Gase for a second. And I I hesitate because I don't, I don't think he deserves much – as far as we know, he deserves zero blame. The Antonio Cromartie – you know, cryptic tweet about how they hired a coach. Right, yeah, care. we don't want to throw him under the bus right. too much for one little hint from Antonio Cromartie. Yeah, and you have to remember that, that Jets fans, uh, including myself and I assume you as well, we're not huge fans of, of the Gase hire. Uh, and, and I remember that when he got hired, I did have a, a Dolphin fan uh, tell me uh, that he will ruin your whole team and trade all your best players. And at the time, I thought that was a little, you know, okay, okay buddy, he's not going to have control over the roster and – you know, that was just a thing in Miami. And again, we don't know if it's related to Jamal Adams, but it is a little peculiar when you factor in Cromartie's tweet that it's like, oh, now Jamal wants out by any means necessary. Uh, and it just seems like such a 180 too. I mean, last year uh, compared to now, I mean, it's like how much did he really love Todd Bowles and how frustrated was he that he got fired? And then, you know, the guy they chose to replace him. And then it's also like, well, but he loves Greg Williams from all accounts. And it doesn't seem like Gase has much to do with the offense. And it's also like, we know that Joe Douglas has complete control over the roster. So it's like, I don't know how much stock I'd put in the Gase thing. I could imagine that maybe Adams was just venting to Cromartie and Gase was just brought up, but I don't imagine he's the sole reason that he, that he wants out of here. 
Um, but yeah, I think you're right. Scott Mason put it brilliantly where it was just that he's hitting literally every button right now to try to get uh, out of New York. Um, and, and it's, it's a pivotal moment in, in Joe Douglas's tenure as, as the Jets general manager is what is he going to do? He's either going to trade him now. Uh, and the argument for that would be, you know, you, you've talked about how you want to build the best culture in sports. You know, when that was said, I was like, well, Jamal Adams is perfect for that. I mean, he is uh, obviously an amazing player and by all accounts, a, you know, a leader on the field. He's the loudest one at practice. You know, he was a guy, when you think of who are the leaders in the Jets, he's the first guy that pops up in addition to being our best player. Uh, that perception has changed a little bit, you know, especially with all this. We don't know how it's going to be when he gets back in the locker, uh, in the locker room. Uh, uh, Damon Snacks Harrison was tweeting out that that's, you know, that won't matter, that it's just business and guys in the locker room won't care. But it's like, you know, you might be right. And I, I'm sure he'll still have friends in the team if the Jets don't move him. But it's like, uh, you're telling me some of the things he said won't rub people the wrong way in the locker room, especially coaches. Um, but, you know, I would imagine there are players that would be like, you know, look, you're fine playing eight other teams, not getting a contract extension. You know, you've basically thrown the whole organization under the, the, the rug. Um, it's just, yeah. Yeah. And that's just one of the many things that are hard for us to tell. Like you said, there are two sides of it on one side, uh, like what snack said, is it just, it could just, he could come back and it'll be just business. And we know he is, besides, regardless of whatever he tweets, we know he's a great leader. We've seen it constantly. He constantly gets lauded for it by his coaches, his teammates. We know he brings that to the table. So is right. that the way it would be? He would just come back. He has all these great relationships already. He would, you know, talk to the team about it, whatever, just sweeping under the rug and it would all be back to normal. That could happen. But at the same time, could it just be a completely tarnished relationship? Will younger players or even some of the veteran players lose respect for him completely and it'll just deteriorate the team from within? Could that happen? Yeah, Could it be uh, somewhere in between those two things? We just have no idea how that would play out. Yeah, you know, and when this first broke, uh, you know, a few days ago uh, that, that Jamal Adams uh, wanted to be traded, I, I did put out a tweet uh, that essentially said that the only reason – uh, you would trade him now uh, is to avoid the the headache that he's going to cause all year. And especially everything that he's done in this last week will add to that because especially the New York media market, uh, in addition to whatever's going to happen in the locker room, it's just going to be a story every week. It's going to be a story every day of training camp, if he even shows up. Um, and the only reason you wouldn't trade him that you would keep him is that one that you believe that you can and will sign him after the 2021 season it, that you still believe that the, the relationship can be salvaged to the point where he may be pissed for 2020 that he's not getting a contract, but you can approach him in, you know, March of 2021 with a, a new contract that he will sign. If you believe that you can sign him, he's such a good player that he's worth the 2020 headache. Um, but with everything that he's doing, I mean, it's almost that he's basically showing that, no, I, I, under any circumstance, I don't want to be a Jet. I mean, he's referring to his time here as, as past tense, that he's not going to play another snap for the Jets almost. But I can't imagine he sits out in the games because he'll lose an accrued season in, in addition to money. He might sit out training camp, but I, he's going to play on Sunday if he's still a, a Jet. It just doesn't make any sense for him not to. Um, so it's just it, – and, and, and when you go back to Joe Douglas talking about how he wants to build the best culture in sports – you know, perhaps Jamal Adams can be made an example of here. I mean, if, if you ship him off, you're basically saying that that's exactly, I mean, Michael and I were talking about this before the podcast started, which like, that's exactly what Bill Belichick would do is basically like, if you don't want to be here, 
uh, fine. But then we also brought up, it's like, well, the Jets aren't the Patriots organization. Part of the reason that the Patriots way works is because, you know, they've won six Super Bowls. They've been to nine. Bill Belichick is the greatest of all time head coach. And Tom Brady, uh, you know, when, when he was in New England, uh, was the uh, greatest quarterback of all time. So there was a just, a, just a different level of, of respect, I guess, that any uh, uh, players would have to have for that organization to listen to. But the Jets, it's one of those things where it's like, well, hold on. Jamal is an amazing player. And what's at the root of this? If it is an issue with an organ with the organization that he just doesn't trust him, he hates gays. Uh, he doesn't ever want to work with Joe Douglas. Like if that's the issue, then I think it's not salvageable, but if it's just that he's frustrated about the losing and he wants to make money, I don't know. I mean, and Michael and I were talking about this when, when Joe Douglas talks about, he wants to build the best culture in sports. Does that just mean, and he said it himself, he wants guys who, who hates losing, more than they love winning. And that can certainly describe Jamal Adams. Um, so when you're trying to build the best culture in sports, how do you weigh how much a guy wants to be there versus how much a guy wants to win? Because if Jamal is forced to stay here in 2020 and the Jets have a good season, and they win games. Is he happy? Does he sign the extension then? I think he might, you know? So do, do you just want a culture of all these guys who want to be here, but you know, there's going six and 10 and seven and nine, you know, sometimes, you know, especially when you're losing, a guy like Jamal, who is, for the large part, better than pretty much everybody on the team, uh, holds players to, to a certain standard, and they're not meeting it. He can become vilified in that locker room, um, and then he doesn't want to be there, or you know, something like that, along those lines. We don't exactly, as you said at the beginning, we don't know everything about this situation. It's just, uh, it's just really unfortunate. And I think, I think it was Drew from Jersey uh, on Twitter. He tweeted out that, um, and it was, it was correct. The, the, the Jets. Uh, they traded Darrell Rivas and then he ended up winning a Super Bowl with the New England Patriots. So nothing that can happen with this Jamal Adams situation can really hurt me. And I, and I kind of feel the same way about it. I just, I think this is just a defining moment for Joe Douglas's tenure. It's do you trade him and make an example of him um, and basically say, you know, we don't have time for, for any of this. We, we don't want this huge distraction. We're trying to build something here and he doesn't want to be a part of it. So, so be it. Do you uh, just stay, stand pat? You know, it's like, fine, Jamal, but, you know, we want you here long-term and you stick through the 2020 season and then see what happens then. It's either uh, you're going to keep him or you're going to trade him for picks you can actually use or uh, do you cave and pay him? I don't, I don't see that third option happening. I think Joe Douglas has established this offseason that the Jets aren't going to be pushed around. If Mike McCagney was the GM, I think Jamal Adams is paid. I think Jamal Adams gets paid at the beginning of the offseason. But I think Joe Douglas has established that, one, he's not going to be pushed around by demands – um, and then two that, that, yeah, I mean, I, you, you brought, you brought up the point that the jets might've lowballed him. We didn't see any reports of that. So I don't, I don't know about that, but I, I agree that look, that could have very well have happened though. <laughs> Joe Douglas is clearly a little bit, you know, like Mr. Krabs. I mean, he, he certainly was holding on to every single penny when it came to Robbie Anderson and, and every free agent was a one-year deal where it seems like they, for the most part, got below market value, which turns out he got a lot of good deals, but you know, clearly a guy like Jamal, uh, values himself a, a lot differently. So this is just a very defining moment for Joe Douglas. What, what exactly is he going to do? Um, and, and one last thing uh, before you, you add any other thoughts. Um, and I thought this was an argument for trading him, not just in addition to the, the giant headache that he's going to cause, uh, that he clearly doesn't want to be here, potential issues in the locker room. Uh, the fact that you could, you know, you could get a pretty good haul for him. It's that his stock, for the most part, won't get any higher than it is right now. In fact, everything that he's doing is, is lowering it slightly. But the chances that he goes out, I mean, he, look, he, he will probably get slightly better as a player. But for the most part, he's 
probably hit his ceiling. I mean, he, he might have seasons where he's a little better. He maybe gets more interceptions or whatnot, but pretty much only bad things can happen. He may maintain his value, but as far as a, a strong safety goes, he's not going to go much higher than he is right now because what happens if he goes out there and week two, he tears his ACL. Then it's like, well, now his value has gone down. So now the offers you're going to get as far as a trade are going to be less. Uh, then you're going to try to assign him to a contract extension. He's probably going to be pissed at the team. He's going to want the money that he felt he deserved beforehand. Like you're going to have a, an even bigger mess on your hands. Uh, I don't see many ways where he outplays to the point where it's like, well, now he's worth even more. There's just not much more he can do. He's an amazing player. His value is at an all-time high. The only thing that he's doing to lower it is basically you know, screaming that he wants to be out of here. And that's taking some leverage away from the Jets. But as long as the Jets do what they're doing and maintaining that they want him here for life uh, and that they're not going to move him, uh, they maintain that leverage. And that, that leverage means that teams will – know that they're not going to get him unless they offer an amazing deal. And that's kind of what I think Joe Douglas will do. He's just going to stand pat and keep saying, no, we want him here for life. And then hopefully a team will come through with an amazing offer and you can move him. I think that's maybe what Joe Douglas is, is aiming for, is to move him um, because I think this is just a massive headache. Obviously he wants him here, but I think ultimately it just does – the chances that he stays here are just you know, decreasing pretty much every day. So I think ultimately what he wants to do is keep it public that he wants him here for, for the rest of his career, but um, hopefully get a team to, to bite on a, on a big deal. Right. Yeah. And, and like you said, that is a good argument for trading him as not as soon as possible, but you know, keeping the phones open and just listening uh, the fact that his value can probably only go down from this point. He is already the best safety in the league right now, the most productive, safety all around with what he can do in coverage against the run and as a pass rusher record setting as a pass rusher with his pressure. So his value is not going to be going up. He can get hurt. So that is a risk, a risk the jets take if they do let him go into the season. And if he does actually play for them going to the season. So um, I, I think that's the approach right now. They're not actively shopping him. I think Joe Douglas will, you know, keep him around and hope that this can somehow be salvaged. But the phones will definitely be open and teams will definitely be calling because he's a superstar player who has a actively listed a quarter of the league that he would like to play for. <laughs> so uh, the, the, t the phones and, are definitely – Yeah, yeah and go ahead. Listed a quarter of the league where he says he doesn't need a contract extension. So that only adds to his value because the longer you wait – that, that stipulation will go away. You can trade him right now to a win-now team that doesn't have too much, and they can get one of the best players in the league on a, on a rookie contract. They know that they're going to have to pay him in the future, but he has, has made it clear that there are eight teams in this league right now that he is okay with being traded uh, to right now and maintaining the same salary, which, which, is, which is also adds to his value as a trade target. Yeah, and a few of those teams have needs at safety, which will get into the tr trade possibilities, but... Uh, there are teams out – he's a, a superstar player who's listed teams he wants to go to, so the phones will be ringing. So I think Douglas will be listening, and if a good offer comes along, he'll take it. Uh, but if not, I think he's not going to force it, and he'll let this thing play out however it plays out. I, I don't think he's going to force a trade out of there, which he should not. Uh, when you have an asset like this, there's no reason to just, uh, you know, just just dump him out the door because of things he's tweeting, things like uh, that kind, things of that nature. I think Douglas has definitely established he's not going to be, uh, not going to be yanked around or pushed to do certain things based on petty things like that. But if a good offer comes around, I think he's definitely going to be taking it, and he'll be listening 
to all offers. But uh, speaking of offers, we do have some to get into, and they will be. There, there are quite a few interesting names uh, on the teams that Jamal did list on his uh, on his wish list. Even though the Jets don't actually have to abide by it, though, those are some teams that could make sense for him. And we and we added another one that we felt made sense. But you're right. I mean, Jamal should garner interest from 31, I mean, maybe not the Patriots, but 30 teams um, should be, I mean, I guess like we could eliminate everybody in the AFC East, but there are going to be upwards of 20 teams that I would imagine might call to the Jets about Jamal because he's just that good, that unique, that versatile. He can fit any defense, you know, uh, people like to discredit him as a box safety, which is one, he's easily the, if you're going to call him a box safety, easily the best box safety in the league. Uh, and he's not just a box safety. His coverage grades are fantastic. He, he can line up one-on-one with a receiver, with a tight end. He has plenty of pass breakups. That, you know, perception comes from the fact that, one, he's a strong safety. He's so good in the box. And the fact that he doesn't have any interceptions. But when you speak to his play in the box, I mean, he can rush the passer better than any outside linebacker on this team and many teams around the league. He's a lead against the run. Any pass that's thrown around the sticks – uh, he's going to be right there to make the tackle. I mean, he is such a big part about the of the Jets' defense that, uh, especially when it comes to to those things, the short yardage. Th- I mean, the fact that the Jets, with all their injuries in the defensive side of the ball, still finished with the unit that they did. A lot of people credit Greg Williams, and he deserves that. But Jamal Adams is a huge reason for that. Um, and you saw it in some of the games that he missed that the defense didn't look the same. I mean, they still were were solid. They still played well, but Jamal was the reason um, that they were you know, able to hold some pretty good offenses uh, to, to low points per games, but you're right. So we, we compiled a list uh, of the eight teams and then we added a team uh, that we just felt also kind of made sense, but there are certainly other teams that could call. And I think, um, you know, but those that Jamal is going to probably want an extension and they're not in the news as much If a dark horse uh, emerges. Maybe we'll have a, we'll mention on a, on a future podca- podcast, but these are all the teams that I've seen tied to Jamal and the jets. So Michael and I figured, no, let's not just make, you know, our dream offer uh, as Jets fans, you know, and, and make some unrealistic, you know, multiple, multiple, you know, three first round draft picks or something. Let's make a realistic offer from each team that we think that uh, one could get offered and then uh, and two uh, would be accepted by both sides. Um, so let's start it off. I, I think everybody has been talking about the Cowboys uh, uh, and the, the offer that they keep circulating with the Cowboys um, is Michael Gallup in a first. And I do think that this is a fair trade and it does make sense on both sides because I think the ideal scenario for the Jets is to get that first round pick for Jamal because he's worth it. There's only a few caliber players in the NFL that are worth a first round tra- uh, uh, being traded for uh, a first round uh, pick. Uh, and the Jets also want to get outside help for, for Sam. Uh, and if they can get it this season, that would be amazing. If you can get a first and legitimate outside help for Sam, that's your dream offer. If you can get that, you take it. Um, so Gallup in a first, and not only that, Gallup is young. His best days are ahead of him. Um, he's a guy. You have the numbers on Gallup, so I'll let you. I'll let you talk a little bit more about that. But uh, the, the Cowboys just drafted uh, CD Lamb, um, so he is a bit expendable. So Gallup in a first, and that first is probably going to be mid to to late first round draft pick status. That is an offer that I think makes sense. It makes the Jets. Uh, it makes the, the swallowing the bullet of not having Jamal on your team much more acceptable. And the, the Cowboys also, it makes sense from their end. I think the only th- thing that doesn't necessarily compute is because I think Jamal wants to be a Cowboy probably more than the Cowboys want Jamal. Not necessarily because the Cowboys aren't interested in Jamal, but when you have to pay Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, Amari, Amari Cooper, and Jamal Adams, 
uh, and, you know, everybody else in your team that you're trying to, to field a, a competitive playoff, you know, Super Bowl winning roster. I just don't think it, it, it's feasible for them uh, unless they're, they're willing to part with, you know, either uh, having, you know, the, the, the core of the roster be demand, dismantled or, you know, if they're going to ship off a, a Cooper or a Zeke in the coming years, because Jamal, you know, obviously it's just a hometown team and he, he desperately wants to be there, but I just don't think uh, it makes too much sense from a Cowboys perspective. But anyways, Michael, your thoughts on the Michael Gallup and a first for Jamal Adams trade. Cause personally uh, I think that's a dream scenario for the Jets. Yeah, from a Jets perspective, it makes perfect sense. Like you said, Gallup, only 23 years old, going to his third season. He was sixth in the league in receiving yards per game this past season. So I, I feel like a lot of Jets fans, at least, are looking at him as, you know, not a number one option or, you know, a, a tier two sort of option. But this is a guy who was only five receivers were averaging more yards per game than he was this past season. It was only his second year in the league. So very productive, young, cheap, all the things you want, and he could be an upgrade at a, a very important position that supplements Sam Darnold. So, obviously, for the Jets, I think Gallup in a first-round pick makes perfect sense for Adams. I think that the points you mentioned about the Cowboys makes it less likely from their perspective just because uh, – and really just with any trade involving Adams, the fact that the Cowboys have – uh, already are committed to Ezekiel Elliott and Amari Cooper and probably will be to Dak Prescott eventually. They just, or he just signed his franchise tag. Doesn't seem like they'll get to a deal this season, but at some point they probably will. And uh, so it will be hard for them to fit Adams in there. So, uh, but money aside, I think it does make sense for Dallas because they can improve that defense. They do have a lot of talent there, but they did lose Byron Jones. So they can kind of, uh, help out their secondary a little bit with Jamal Adams, even though they play a different position, obviously. Uh, but they could use some help defensively, and Adams, I think, makes a lot of sense for them. So if I think that would work for both sides. Money, if you if you don't take the money into account, but it would ha- it would be a question of how the Cowboys would fit Adams into their cap situation. But from a Jets perspective, we are dreaming here. We're just brainstorming. If you can get Gallup in a first, I think that's the type of call that would make Joe Douglas pull the trigger. Uh, absolutely. And you also have to factor in that the Cowboys do have uh, two safeties on their, their roster that are starting level. I think this is their best safety unit that they've had in a while. They're not Jamal Adams level, but it's not like the Cowboys are in desperate need of a safety at this moment. Um, it's the other team that, that I haven't seen talked about too much, but was mentioned uh, in Jamal Adams's list uh, was the Seattle Seahawks, who we've seen in the past have made plenty of blockbuster moves. The Jets have traded with the Seahawks plenty of times in the past, although I don't, I don't think Joe Douglas has. Uh, no, I, didn't he trade with them in the draft? Didn't, didn't he? Yeah, he did, right? Michael? Um, Wasn't the – Oh, Mims yeah, the Mims trade? trade. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. So, yeah, okay, this, so Douglas has worked with the Seahawks in the past, um, and they have a, a, a desperate need at, at strong safety. So – I think the Seahawks make a ton of sense. Uh, and going back to our parameters of the thing that we're trying to get, which is a young weapon for Sam Darnold and a first, I think Tyler Lockett and a first for Jamal and a fourth is a trade that, you know, I think some might look at or scoff at first, but it makes a lot of sense uh, for, for both sides. One, I think that Tyler Lockett is only 27. He's on a good contract. He's an amazing player. Or he's, you know, he's a very good player. Uh, Russell Wilson's most trusted weapon. He seemingly is a great fit for Adam Gase's offense. It gives Darnold a legit number one receiving option. Uh, and you get that first round pick. The Seahawks are getting, you know, a better player than Lockett, uh, the best safety in the league. 
arguably a top 10 player in the league and a fourth round pick, you know, Michael and I were trying to d- decide, you know, you know, is it Tyler Lockett in the second for Jamal? Is it Tyler Lockett in the first for Jamal in the third? We felt that the first and the fourth balanced out well. I'm sure maybe Seahawks fans would, would argue a little bit differently, but I think that this is a move that does make sense for both sides. I think the Seahawks, you know, already have DK Metcalf uh, in the pipeline. I think they signed uh, Philip Dorsett. They could bring back Josh Gordon now that he's applying to be reinstated. Um, you know, I, again, like the Cowboys, would the, would the Seahawks do this deal? I think they would explore some variation of a locket for Adams deal. I think the, the, the problems would maybe come with the picks in this offer. Uh, but Michael, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah. Will Lockett actually be involved? I don't know, but I feel like the Seahawks are maybe the most likely team because there, there are a few different reasons. Number one, they've been really aggressive uh, in trades involving big name players in recent years, Frank Clark, Jadavian, well, they traded Frank Clark, then they turned around and got Jadavion Clowney. After that last year, they traded Max Unger for Jimmy, a, good, a very good center for Jimmy Graham back in uh, 2015. Uh, so they've made plenty of big name trades uh, or trades involving big name players over the years. Those are just a couple of examples. Uh, so they are, they do have that established. Uh, they have a big need at safety. I did a ranking at uh, Jets X Factor of all the safety groups in the league, and the Seahawks came in at 27th, even though they traded for Quandre Diggs over the final five games, or for five games in the regular season, he played with them. And he played really well at free safety, but they still finished that low because their strong safeties were so weak, especially against the run. Uh, not, not that it matters because Adams does contribute like superstar in every single facet, but uh, they did struggle a lot of strong safety, so they can upgrade there. And th- they had their worst defensive season since 2010, the first time they were below average in terms of scoring defense and DVOA. So they have a big need on de- – or their defense – they are desperate to improve that defense because it just hasn't been below average under Pete Carroll since his first year. They have a big need at strong safety, and they make trades like this all the time involving big-name players. Throw, throw Quandre Diggs in there as another big name that they've traded for recently. So uh, I think there are a lot of reasons this makes sense. Will they actually trade Lockett in the deal? Uh, because uh, they do have DK Metcalf, but beyond him, their next best, next best receiver outside of Lockett would be Philip Dorsett, which isn't too promising, even though they have Russell Wilson who can probably make up for a lack of receiving talent as well as any other quarterback. Uh, So would Lockett be involved? I'm not sure, but I think the Seahawks have a lot of reasons to be, uh, to be considered one of the most likely teams to go hard after Jamal Adams. And they definitely could be more likely than the Cowboys because the Cowboys do have, uh, I didn't mention it before. They do have ha ha Clinton Dix and Xavier Woods at safety, which is a pretty good duo. I had them ranked as one of the best in the league. Uh, when they even without haha Clinton Dix last year, so they actually upgraded and they still were decent led by Woods. So they don't have too much of a need at safety, the Cowboys. But the Seahawks do have a big need there, uh, and they have a history of making trades like this, and they really need to improve that defense. So I think they can make a lot of sense. If I were going to put money on a team for him to go to, I'd probably go to Seattle. Yeah, I think they're interested in you know in, in having the Legion of Boom part two. Um, I think maybe if they had invested more in the receiver spot this offseason, this would be, uh, I would, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I would be putting money on this because I think it makes just a lot of sense for bevy reasons. I still think it could happen. Um, I think the problem would be that, yeah, you take away Lockett, who's Russell Wilson throwing to, you have to have a lot of trust in DK Metcalf, who I think is an amazing player, but then 
who else behind him. It's going to be Dorsett and, and whatnot. And a big problem is that Russell Wilson has not been surrounded by, you know, many stars. So taking away his best receiving option is, is a bit questionable. But when you think about what you're adding on the defensive side of the ball and the fact that you do have Russell Wilson, so it's like when you have a good quarterback, um, you know, you don't necessarily need top uh, – top level talent and and when you can when you can add a guy like Jamal Adams to your defense it just certainly changes things so I agree with you I think the Seahawks are are a likely destination if if he's going to be moved um I think yeah the compensation as far as the picks is curious and that offer I think a first has to be a part of it because you Seattle's gonna be that's gonna be a late first round pick um and then I think Lockett is is Jamal is clearly a better and younger player than Lockett but Lockett is a player that's very important to Seattle. So there's, there's some moving parts there, but I agree with you. I think that this is a, a trade that could be, um, could certainly happen. Um, next, uh, this is a team that wasn't listed in Jamal's uh, eight teams that, that he'd be willing to, to go to without a contract extension. So this is a team that would have to trade and give him a contract extension, but we figured we'd bring them in because I think they kind of similar situations and it's the Jaguars. And that's purely because of Yannick Ngakwe, who is kind of in the same boat with the Jaguars as the Jets are in with Jamal. Um, Ngakwe has been very um, vocal on, on social media, just like Jamal, about how he doesn't want to be in Jacksonville. Um, and look, the Jets have a big need at, at edge rusher. The Jaguars have a need at safety. Um, I think Jamal is clearly a better player than Unique, but Unique arguably plays a more important position because he's a, you know one of those top edge rushers in the league and something that the Jets have just really not had since Jonathan Abram. Uh, so the trade that we laid out that we felt was fair was Unique in a second for Jamal in a third because we think that Jamal is slightly better. So we think that they, the Jets deserve the higher pick, but it's close, very similar situations. Um, they're going to have to pay him. So I think that that is actually a very fair offer. Michael, what are your thoughts on this offer? Uh, why should Joe Douglas do this? Why should Jacksonville do this? And just kind of your overall thoughts. Yeah, well, Jacksonville is another team that has a pretty big need at safety. They're one of the weakest units there at both positions last year so a team that could be desperate to try to improve that position even though they are in more of a rebuilding mode right now uh they do but it is interesting because you have these two players in very similar situations young defensive stars who have publicly declared that they want that they want out of their respective situations so it it would be interesting to see that but for the jets they do obviously have a big need on the edge do not have a proven pure pass rush off the edge right now hopefully Jabari Zuniga can prove to be that but obviously that is only projection right now so Ngakwe would solve a huge need for them he did have a bit of a down season this past year after consistently ranking top 10 and pressures and putting up double digit sacks he uh, he did have eight sacks this year but his pressures were down I think he ranked about 25th there at his position this year so he did have a down season but overall he is just one of the more gifted uh, when, when you think of bendy edge rushers who have those flashy athletic moves around the edge, Ngakwe is your guy. Bryce Huff on our podcast brought him up as one of the most underrated in the league, one of the best in the league, uh, not just underrated. but uh, So he is one of the best, pure, most talented edge rushers in the league. Hopefully the Jets and Greg Williams would be able to unlock that, get him back on track. But in terms of the compensation, I'm, I'm probably a little – I think Adams has a little more of an edge over – uh, Yon, over Ngakwe than you do I'd probably go a first in Ngakwe for Adams in third but at the same time what we were talking about uh, before we recorded was that you know Jacksonville's a rebuilding team right now and they probably want 
to be in that sweepstakes for Trevor Lawrence next year. So they probably don't want to get rid of that first round. Well, pick, they do so. have the, the one for the Rams, so maybe they can move that. But I think that yeah, I think they're they're kind of wanting to to keep those first round picks and maybe a package. Yeah, especially their own pick. I I don't think even they're counting on being too good this year as as much as they might like Minshew mania. But uh, I I think more realistically, what you laid out a second coming back to the Jets and a third to Jacksonville might make more sense, but then I don't think the Jets would probably see that. Uh, but then it would depend on just their evaluation than Gakwe. But it would be inter- interesting for sure, and, and Gakwe would solve a huge need, and he's only 25, so it would be interesting. Yeah, you don't necessarily get the the weapon for Sam, but you do get an edge rusher, which fills a huge need for the Jets. Um, and then, yeah, you get, you get you get the picks, I guess. I mean, maybe you could add another pick for the Jets. I get what you're saying. I tried – to you know I, and we were talking about this beforehand because we were looking at some of these offers trying to see like yeah, well, what we, we want to be fair we don't right, want we want to be fair we didn't random blogs like oh let's give up uh let's give up trevon wesco for mike evans right exactly like yeah i'm going back to the um there was an article about uh the bucks trading for for jamal adams before jamal was on the trade block like two years ago and it was like gerald mccoy and like a third <laughs> and it was just like you kidding me in what world does that offer ever happen? So we were trying to be realistic, I guess. Um, so the next team, I, uh, the Texans, and this is a team that it's probably, I think, the, the one team that he listed that I don't necessarily – well, I guess they have Deshaun Watson, so never mind. I was going to say that he pretty much just listed the, the top contenders in the league uh, and then two, the two Dallas teams – or the two uh, Texas teams. Um, but with Houston, he does get to go back to the state of Texas where, where he's from. Um, and Bill O'Brien has, has clearly shown the ability to pull the trigger on, on big trades like this. It's so frustrating because I think DeAndre Hopkins for Jamal straight up, both teams would have accepted it. It would have been great for the Jets because I don't feel, I feel like Hopkins is arguably the best receiver in the league. Adams is the best safety in football. The, obviously, the Texans would accept it considering they traded him for David Johnson in a second. And the Jets would accept it because it's like, well, you're giving up that, but you're getting you know equal – arguably equally as good as a player and at a huge position in need and you're helping your, your young QB out. Um, so f- quite frustrating that, that this didn't, the timing was just kind of off on this. If Bill O'Brien had waited a little bit longer, maybe if Joe Douglas had, had moved him, moved Jamal Adams sooner, um, we could have been looking at that offer, but the offer that Michael and I came up with was Will Fuller uh, and a first and a fourth for Jamal Adams. That was just because, uh, you know, originally it was Will Fuller and a first, but I don't feel that, you know, given, especially given Fuller's injury history and he's not really a sure thing, you kind of need the first uh, and the extra pick, in my opinion. Uh, but, yeah, Michael, kind of your, your thoughts on, on the Texans landing Jamal Adams. I think according to Vegas, they are the most likely spot. I believe they do have a, a big need at, at safety as well. Um, and, you know, clearly Jamal wants to be there. He won't, sign, he won't have to sign an extension immediately. Just kind of your thoughts on it. I, I, I want to be pragmatic, but at the same time, I feel like we should maybe bump that up to a third rounder, but because uh, just because of Fuller's injury history. But in terms of when he has been healthy, he's been really good. The Texans have played a lot better when he's been healthy than when he's not been healthy, and he has averaged uh, close to 70 yards per game over the past couple seasons. So he's been really good when healthy. It's just the fact that he's played only about 60% of his games over the past few years is obviously a huge risk. So I think it is fair to bump up the compensation a little bit, maybe a first and a second along with Fuller. And also the Texans do have depth at receiver. They have Cooks, Cobb, and Kenny Stills, so they can't afford it. And we are talking about Bill O'Brien. So 
I think maybe a first and a second and fuller would be more realistic, but uh, I think he is an interesting target from Houston uh, being one of the teams on his wish list. Again, not that the jets have to actually go by that. They can trade him to anybody they want, but just to have some teams to work off of, but uh, fuller being a young receiver who's played well when healthy, maybe you gamble on that uh, could make sense, but he would be a throw in uh, next to major draft compensation. So uh, I'd probably say at least a first and a second, maybe even two first isn't unrealistic because you could Jalen Ramsey was able to get uh, a couple of firsts and a fourth uh, from the Rams back to Jacksonville. And honestly, uh, Ramsey has this reputation as a great player and he is a great player, but has he been as dominant at cornerback as Adams has been at safety? I, I don't think no. so. No, in but, a, but a similar corner. realm, but cornerback also could be seen as a more valuable yeah. position, but I think it's fair to put Adams right around that same level in terms of trade value as Ramsey, who did get two first round picks. So maybe in this fuller trade, you could get a couple a first and a second with fuller, but it depends on yeah, the evaluation. I, of the player. I think the Adams compensation is going to be slightly less than Jalen Ramsey. I think it's going to be above Minka Fitzpatrick was his, which was basically just a first and then some late round pick swapped. And then Ramsey was those two firsts. Um, I think it's going to be slightly less than Ramsey. Um, you know, we don't have, we have a few more teams to go here, but um, you know, as we said, there, there's probably going to be 20 teams that call the jets about it. And so there could be a team that, you know, maybe it's, there's not a player included. Maybe it is just a, a couple of firsts that give Joe Douglas, you know, the proper ammo to build his team, which would be exciting, I guess, um, uh, f- you know, for the jets, but it, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they get to first, but I think it's going to be less than, uh, than what the Ram- than what the uh, Jags got for, for Jalen Ramsey. Um, moving forward, the Bucks. Um, now this one, I don't necessarily see happening. I, I I'll be honest. Uh, I think for a few reasons, one, the Bucks did draft a safety Antoine Winfield. They do have a lot of issues at, they did have a lot of issues at safety and obviously Jamal is the best in the league. Um, he has the experience with top bowls. Um, I think they would be interested. Uh, he, you know, he's not going to request a, uh, a contract extension immediately. And it's like, look, you're not going to have to pay Tom Brady in probably like two years. Um, so you get a guy like Jamal, you can sign him after this season um, and just know that, you know, even probably Gronk won't be here after uh, be in Tampa Bay after 2021, um, maybe 2022. So it's just like, I could see the Bucks doing it for that reason. Um, but clearly the player that the Jets would want to target is Chris Godwin. Um, who's who they should have taken instead of our Darius Stewart, but that's here, uh, neither here nor there. Um, but that's the probably the dream target for them. Um, I don't think the Jets would do it straight up. I think the Bucks probably would be like, well, that's the straight up offer, which would be Chris Godwin for, for Jamal Adams. Uh, it makes sense from a cap situation uh, standpoint because you know Godwin is in line for an extension pretty soon, and so would Jamal be, so they're not messing up the cap too much. Um, so the offer we came up with was Chris Godwin in the third for Jamal Adams in a fourth kind of Michael, what, what are your thoughts on this? Could, is this feasible Would the jets accept this with the, with the bucks accept this Just kind of your overall thoughts on it. Yeah, it definitely is a dream offer for a dream target for the jets to get Godwin, a guy who could come right in and not only be your number one receiver right now, but for the foreseeable future, uh, still being a young player, only in his only just completed his third season. So, uh, and he was second in the league in receiving yards per game. So he's obviously an elite player already. So for the Jets, that would be a phenomenal way to make up for the loss of Adams. But I think this is a scenario where both sides would probably see their player 
as worth more than the other. You have Godwin, who has uh, doesn't have a case to be the best receiver in the league, but probably has a good one to be a top five to ten receiver. And you have Adams, who is probably the best safety in the league. Uh, and the league probably values receivers more than safeties. So it would be an interesting kind of clash in value. But if you're Tampa Bay, they did struggle at safety. They, even though they did draft Winfield, they still have another spot to fill where they can improve. And they were the number five defense in DVOA. So maybe a superstar in Adams, they see that. Todd Bowles sees that as uh, – sees Adams as the player who could put them over the top and become maybe the best defense in the league. And a defense is a good way to support a quarterback, a 43-year-old one. But so is Chris Godwin, the second best or the second leading receiver in the league. And that duo of Evans and Godwin is maybe the number one reason that Tampa Bay seems like such a great spot for Brady to go. So to break that up for Adams would be uh, quite a big risk. So I feel like Tampa Bay might also see it as the Jets needing to send compensation back uh, back their way with Adams. Uh, And if they even see Godwin tradable at all because of, you know, how much, how important it is to just give Brady that help, especially after what he dealt with in New England last year, to jump from that to what the Bucs have, the best receiving duo in the league, it's probably a a big part of why he went there. So to break that up for Adams, I don't think it's too likely, but there there are some reasons the allure could be there for the Bucs, but I, I wouldn't bet on this happening, but if the Jets could get that done, I'd definitely be okay with it. But I also would have been okay with, as you said, just drafting Godwin in the third round of 2017 draft. But we got our Darius Stewart, and that panned out really well. Yeah, uh, there's a few other teams on, on this list. But, yeah, Chris Godwin, for me, is is just, I think, the, the gold standard. I think uh, Robbie um, from Jets X Factor had, a, had an article about how he should be the – he's the dream uh, target for the Jets, and I agree with that. I mean, as we said, the parameters are a top weapon for Sam and uh, and picks, I guess, and, and obviously Godwin would, uh, would fill that. Um, but the next two teams are teams that Joe – Joe Douglas's former teams, both were listed in Jamal Adams' tweet um, and both, you know, obviously have experience working with Joe Douglas. So keep an eye on them. Um, But both teams, the the compensation gets a little bit more tricky than just having, you know, here's good player plus a first, here's, you know, star player plus a mixture of of mid-round picks. Uh, Neither the Ravens or the Eagles, I would say, have a top, you know, young receiver that the Jets um, would want to target. So I, I guess we'll start with the Ravens here. Uh, we said Matt Judon, uh, who's somebody who uh, – it was reported that if he hit free agency, I think he ultimately got the franchise tag, uh, the Jets would have been all over. Uh, Joe Douglas likes him. that He fills the needed edge. He had a great year last year. The Jets still might land him in free agency next year. Um, but Matt Judon, Miles Boykin, and a first. Boykin is the former – and it, he was just kind of somebody we, we subbed in there. We thought – well, let's get Judon because he's a good pass rusher, but he's clearly not on the level of, of a guy like Anik or, or really even, you know, there's another person on this list I guess we'll, we'll get to in a minute. But he's, he's a solid pass rusher, but he's not the end-all be-all. So we figure they need to add something else. It would probably be a pick, but if the Jets wanted to get some help for Sam on the outside, uh, you know, they have Willie Sneed. I don't think they're going to trade Hollywood Brown. Uh, so they could move Miles Boykin or somebody just along that level, a mid-tier receiver to get send back to the Jets if Joe Douglas um, so desires one. Um, so that was the trade we came up uh, with the Ravens, plus the first, obviously. Um, you know, it could be Judon a first and a, and a third or Judon and first and a fourth or whatever. But, Michael, kind of your thoughts on the Ravens trade? 
Yeah, I, th- I think I think as you mentioned, the Ravens don't really have a realistic offensive target. Brown is a you know really good young receiver, but doesn't seem like they'd be trading him as their uh, pretty much their only legitimate young piece at receiver, or you know just highly exciting one. Uh, they have a few really good tight ends and Boyle and Andrews, but they're not trading them. They already got rid of Hayden Hurst, so it uh, doesn't seem like there's much on offense. So you look to the defensive side and. Judon just got the franchise tag. He was a top 15 pass rusher this past season, pretty much across the board, any number you look at. So he could fill a void there for the Jets. Uh, And obviously the Jets would have to be willing to extend him or else the trade would be a complete waste of time. So they would have to uh, be, make, make sure that that's something that they would hammer out pretty quickly, getting Judon extended, but he would have to come with at least a first round pick. Uh, being only a you know a middle not a middle tier but a, a a very good edge rusher but not quite a superstar one like the level Adams is at so you could probably get a first round pick along with him uh, coming over from Baltimore but uh, seems like that would be most likely but it would be interesting with the Ravens because they do have a pretty good safety duo already with Chuck Clark and Earl Thomas so uh, it doesn't seem like they have the huge, the biggest need for a safety, but at the same time, it's a league where defensive, more and more defensive backs are getting on the field as more wide receivers are getting on the field. Uh, so, you know, three safety sets could, you know, become more increasingly common there. And especially the guy like Adams, there's so many creative ways you could use him. Uh, and as, as solid as that duo is, you know, you could still probably put Adams in there and he would be a huge upgrade over Clark, even though he's a solid player and you put him next to Earl Thomas, that's a, pretty good duo right there so they could have that allure uh, that uh, maybe feel inclined to put together a duo like that but uh, I don't think the Ravens are one of the more likely options but if they are I think Judon is the most uh, the most intriguing target for the Jets right and you mentioned a guy like Chuck Clark and and again with a few of these other teams I mean who's to say that the Jets couldn't trade Jamal get a pick um, and a replacement for Jamal. I mean, you know, it depends how comfortable you are with Ashton Davis starting at free safety and Marcus May starting at strong safety. Uh, you know, Jets fans and we, for the most part, have been looking at it as like, okay, you trade Jamal and then you get, you know, a receiver and a first or whatever. Um, but, you know, perhaps the Jets feel differently and that they feel like, well, we're going to need a safety back to, to replace him. So maybe if they did a trade with the Ravens, they would get Chuck Clark a first and a third back or you know, maybe Clark and, and, and Judon in a first or whatever. But, you know, I wouldn't necessarily discount a team just because they have two safeties, especially a guy like Clark, who actually would be make sense uh, for the Jets. I think he's only like 25 or 26, and he, he was pretty solid last yeah, year. So 25. 25. So, so you know, that, that, is, that is something that could theoretically uh, happen. The next team is the Eagles. We got a little bit fancy with this one, and we'll be honest, we stole it directly from uh, Eagles Reddit because we were like, well, who the hell <laughs> – could the Eagles offer us? And so then I just went to Eagles Reddit and I looked up Jamal Adams and said, just kind of was looking at like, well, what are Eagles fans proposing? And this was actually a trade that was proposed. And, you know, I was like, actually, that kind of makes sense. That that was actually pretty fair. Um, it was the, uh, well, I got, it was the 2021 first. So this year's first 2022 second. So uh, the second round pick two years from now, Alshon Dre- Jeffrey, um, who clearly loves Adam Gay. So there's not going to be any problems there. Joe Douglas loves him too. Uh, and the Jets needed an outside receiver, uh, and Rasul Douglas, which I was like, you know what, for Jamal Adams. And I was like, you know what, that actually, that that makes sense. Maybe, I mean, maybe you could, if you wanted to get fancy, you could maybe sub out Alshon for, for J.J. Oshega-Whiteside, who was somebody that was drafted under Joe Douglas's tenure, is a little bit younger than Alshon, if you believe in him, but I think he had a pretty bad rookie year. 
Um, and Al, but Alshon is, you know, coming off a down year, but was one of the top receivers at, at one point. Still has some, you know, presumably some stuff left in the tank. Um, and uh, uh, is loved by both the GM and the coach. So he kind of makes sense. And then Russell Douglas was a guy that, you know, apparently Joe Douglas had a lot of interest in as well. And then you're getting the first and a second. The second isn't going to be this year, but you're still getting a first and a second for Jamal. So I actually thought that was a fair trade uh, overall. So Michael, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, the draft compensation is good to get a first and a second round pick. Uh, and, and then the players you get along with it. I think they're Jeffrey's where there's Jeffrey kind of is a high ceiling, low floor pickup there because the contract is sort of an issue. You still have him for two years and are pretty much committed to that. Uh, the whole remainder of his contract over that time, you are, you can't cut him and save anything this year. The entire contract would still be on the books. And even if you cut him next year, you'd still be on the books for about 10 million or a, yeah, about actually about $5 million in dead money. So you're still committed to him quite a bit at age 30 and 31. And his production has slipped quite a bit over the past few years. But we know that he has that number one receiver talent, that number one receiver uh, body type that the Jets really have not had since uh, the last 30-year-old receiver, exactly. big name 30-year-old receiver they trade for. And Brandon Marshall in 2015, and he was 31. So yeah, uh, so. there is that potential for Jeffrey to you know figure it out, get healthy, turn it around. But it'd be a swing for the fences. But and you also throw Douglas in there, who's only 24 years old, will be 25 before the season starts. So a young cornerback, another young cornerback to throw into uh, a position that has plenty of them. So just more competition, uh, and a guy Doug Joe Douglas is familiar with. So. Uh, to get those two picks and these two players would make a lot of sense. I think the Eagles would love to get rid of uh, the Alshon Jeffrey contract and kind of get younger at wide receiver. And uh, the the picks for them might be a, a little, they might see that as a little bit much, uh, but they could to get Jamal Adams and add to a secondary that really struggled last season and they lost Malcolm Jenkins uh, to the saints. So it could be something they could look, feel they could be willing to do that. Well, I think, they might be a little skeptical to do it, but it, it is plausible, I think. I don't, I don't know if they would be because, in my mind, one, the Eagles, you always have to kind of factor how good are these teams because he requested eight, as we mentioned, eight like perennial contender teams for the most part. So those first-round picks are not going to be, for the most part, top ten picks. They're going to be at highest maybe, well, it depends on how the Texans are, but around, you know, 17 to 32. Um, so with the Eagles, you know, the Eagles are uh, – a good team this year. And so I expect that that pick to be, you know, low teens, uh, early twenties. Uh, and then that second round pick, that's not the same draft. So you're still maintaining draft capital for, for the years. I, I actually think it makes a lot of sense because I think Jamal probably is worth that. You do get Jeffrey off your books for the next two years. So you free up cap and then you could take on Jamal, who's a, a much better player than Alshon Jeffrey, somebody who clearly doesn't want to be in Philadelphia. You know, uh, the Eagles, if it weren't for his contract would have cut him already because I think a lot of people thought he was um, the issue with, with Carson Wentz. I, didn't he, I think he spread some rumors or something. He talked to the press about Carson, how he, I don't know. Um, um, but he's a guy that, that wouldn't be in Philly if it weren't for his contract. And then Russell Douglas is, you know, kind of, again, another, you know, low bargain type of guy that Douglas likes and, and could fit uh, another need for the Jets in that corner spot, because we have a lot of bodies there, but we don't really know who's going to step up. Um, so I actually think that that is a very fair trade because 
it's the big thing is that the second round pick isn't until 2022. I think that's what makes it fair. I'd agree with you if it was first and second, and then those two guys, but the fact that it's first, those two guys, and then a second the next year, I think that makes it uh, quite fair. And the fact that they're getting Jeffrey, who's an issue in the locker room and it's a big contract off the books uh, is, uh, is big. So I actually think that that, and it makes sense from a money perspective. That's kind of why it was laid out that way is because the Eagles can't afford to do this. So I actually, and then again, as I, as I just mentioned, when you factor in that Alshon Jeffrey had a very close relationship with Joe Douglas and he also has sung Adam Gase's praises for, and Sam Darnold's, I think um, he'd be a good, uh, a good addition. And you talked about Brandon Marshall, who's 31. You'd have Jeffrey for his, you know, 30 and 31 seasons. He obviously isn't the long-term answer for Sam, but this is just such a pivotal time in Sam's career that any sort of outsider, just any sort of help for him, even if it's just for this year and the next year, uh, is crucial because right now, if you know, if Rashad Perriman goes down, then you're looking at Josh Dotson starting outside, um, which is a pretty scary thought. And then we don't even know what Denzel Mims is. I mean, I'm hoping that he's he hits big, um, and I think he might, but you don't know. And he did fall to the second round, so the Jets receiving course pretty bad. And a guy like Alshon could come in and, and produce right away in, in my mind. So that isn't a trade that I, uh, I necessarily would dis- discount, especially when you factor in Joe Douglas's familiarity with Philadelphia. Yeah, and um, the Eagles do have a pretty big need there. On their depth chart, Jalen Mills is a starting strong safety who's converting over from corner. So that doesn't look too promising. Yeah. So <laughs> they do have that need. Yeah, I actually think that that is a uh, fairly realistic uh, offer. The next two uh, were just the other two teams he listed. I don't think he'll get traded to either of these spots. We'll, we'll kind of fly through these. But the 49ers, we'll start with them. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think some Jets fans may have seen that article that, I, that was written by uh, one of those – 49ers blogs and it was basically like the worst trades you could ever imagine for Jamal Adams um at minimum the Jets are going to have to get a first from San Francisco because again as we were just talking about that first round pick is projected to be you know 25 and higher um the 49ers are a terrific team with an amazing defense um so the offer we came up with is D Ford in a first um, because one, they're trying to get that contract off the books. He has had some issues with injury. Um, you know, they obviously already have an amazing front seven. They will, they'll have no uh, problem getting to the quarterback uh, without him. And then you add a guy like Jamal Adams, who uh, you could easily make the case and is more valuable than D Ford. So pl- D Ford plus the first for Jamal Adams, I felt like that was a relatively fair trade. But then when you factor in the extension that Jamal is going to want to want, that's going to want, that he's going to want, uh, I don't know. I, I don't really see this trade happening. But Michael, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, the tough thing looking at San Francisco is that they don't really have an offensive player that makes too much sense for them. They're not too deep a wide receiver, so Debo Samuel would obviously be exciting for the Jets, but there's no reason San Francisco would train him at all. So you look to the defensive side, and they did already get rid of one proven pass rusher on the inside in uh, DeForest Buckner trading him to the Colts. Uh, they did replace him with Javon Kinlaw on the draft, but uh, to get D Ford would be interesting for the Jets, but again, I'm not sure San Francisco would do that uh, because this pass rush is such an important part of their defense. So uh, they're already taking one risk trying to replace Buckner with a rookie in uh, in Kinlaw. So to also get rid of the the edge rusher opposite of Nick Bosa and Ford, uh, although Ford didn't play too much last season anyway, and they were still great. Uh, I just don't see them getting rid of a second piece. But for the Jets, if they were going to shoot for it. That makes sense. And one guy who I thought kind of makes sense from San Francisco is uh, Jaquiski Tart. They're, they're starting strong safety who actually is uh, – who has had a steady career. He's not a superstar, 
Uh, he's pretty. He's really good in coverage, even though he's not a, an all-around uh, just difference maker. And so if, to go back to what you were actually saying uh, a few minutes ago, if the Jets were looking for a replacement for Jamal, a guy who could just come in and start this year uh, and help them out, not as a centerpiece of the trade, but just to, to get someone back who could fill his spot for the time being, I think Tart makes sense from San Francisco as a th- throw-in with a few different picks. But uh, like you said, I don't think this is one of the most likely options. They don't have the biggest need at safety and that uh, in terms of the pieces they have that would be attractive to the Jets, I don't think they would be – the Niners would feel too inclined to trade those for Adams. So I don't think this is a very likely spot, but uh, Ford would be exciting. Tart would make sense as a short-term replacement alongside – uh, some uh, high 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 draft picks. It would probably be a low first rounder in a second. But again, I don't think this is a likely destination. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. And the last team, again, I don't think is a likely destination. The two teams that are in the Super Bowl are the last two. So the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, the last team that we have listed here. Um, so we had two trades for this one. Both were kind of iffy because I was like, I don't know if the Chiefs would do this, and I don't know if the Jets would do this. And it, you know, the Chiefs do already have. Um, some pretty solid safeties. Um, it was just more that he was, they, he listed them. So we figured we should make a trade if the chiefs really wanted to do it. Um, so we had Miko Harbin and a first Harbin was a guy that the, the, the jets, I believe it was wanted to trade up for uh, in the second round of last year's draft. I mean, I guess McCagden was, was the GM then, but Adam Gase was still the head coach uh, and a first. Um, so Harbin and a first, uh, which does make sense for the Jets. You know, the Chiefs, I don't know, they, have, they don't have too many weapons. But again, with Seattle, it's like once you have a, an elite quarterback, you don't necessarily need the top-tier weapons, and you already have Tyreek Hill. Um, but again, Hardman is a guy that, that had a pretty good season last year, and he's still super young. The other option was Chris Jones in a third, and Chris Jones is a guy that I think, you know, it, it could be considered on the block for Kansas City. Uh, he's so, so damn good. Um, and, and I think we, we talked about it with Mike DeVito a little bit when he was on the podcast. Um, he's just one of the best in the league. Um, but again, he's a defensive lineman. The Jets don't really need one. So we did Chris Jones in a third. Um, so that's not necessarily, you know, a need for the Jets. You're not getting help for Sam. You're not getting a first round pick, but you are getting an amazing player back. So those are the two options we made for, for the Jets and the Chiefs. Michael, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think Hardman could be interesting because the Chiefs, you know, you know what your core is as Kansas City in terms of the skill positions. It's Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, and they do have some depth there. They lost to Marcus Robinson, but they brought Sammy Watkins back. He's a decent number number two, number three option. So they do have plenty of pieces at the skill positions. So I think Hardman is definitely not too likely of an option for the Jets if the Chiefs did have interest in Jamal Adams. But from a Jets perspective, uh, a 22-year-old receiver who was really efficient last year uh, it would definitely be exciting for them. Uh, but the Chiefs do have, as you said, a good safety duo with Tehran. They have Tyron Matthew and they have Juan Thornhill. So uh, one of the better duos in the league. So they don't have a huge need. Uh, well, they don't have any need for a safety. They can get a little bit better with Adams, but they do already have a good duo there. So I don't see them being a likely destination unless they get, you know, really star hungry and just want to put the honey badger next to Jamal Adams, because, you know, that would be really exciting, but, uh, with Thornhill there, he's already a really good compliment uh, to the Honey Badger. So, uh, but if the, if they were going to do it, I think the ones we laid out are pretty good. Harden in a first, or uh, Chris Jones. Even though the Jets don't need defensive line help much at all, they have a lot of depth there. 
They can get better in the passing game up front. Hopefully Quinn and Williams fills that need this year and Nathan Shepard with just a full season of health. But uh, if the Jets did want to bolster that defensive line some more uh, in terms of uh, compensation for Adams, Jones is about, he's probably the second best, second or third best pass rushing defensive tackle after Aaron Donald. Uh, So that could make sense for the Jets to boost a pass rush, especially without an edge rush right now. But uh, again, there's a reason Kansas City's last year. It's because they do have a good safety duo, so they don't really need to be too desperate for Adams. Yeah, uh, I I think we kind of ranked these in in order of likelihood. Uh, I guess the the Seahawks were second or whatnot, but it kind of went down the line as far as like kind of who we thought uh, would make an offer and and San Francisco and Kansas City being at the bottom indicative of that uh all the other trades i could i could see happening maybe you could lump the bucks in there with with kansas city and, and uh, san francisco but outside of that i think i would not be surprised if i wake up one morning and see that the jets have struck up a deal with one of these teams um with some sort of package potentially involving the guys that we just talked about um michael we've gone through all these obviously there could be you know who knows some other random team, indianapolis or chicago or new orleans or just some random team coming out of nowhere and pursuing him um but what is your prediction for what ultimately happens uh, with Jamal Adams, not only for this season, but the future, does he get traded? If so, where, which team, you know, which offer that we just listed um, or somebody else, does he stay? Does he hold out in training camp? What's that going to be like? What is Joe Douglas going to do? Just kind of your overall prediction for what's going to happen with Jamal Adams in this season and beyond. It's just so tough to predict because anything that you go with, there are reasons to believe that it won't happen. If, you think that he's going to stay around, then uh, the counterpoint to that is um, why would Joe Douglas actually want to, if he's building a culture, why would he want to keep Adams around uh, and go against everything that he's built so far? Would Adams, with everything he said so far, would he actually just turn around and come play for the Jets? Or would he stick to his word and not play for them at all and just skip and skip the season entirely? But then, Logically, is there any reason for him to actually do that and leave that money and the accrued season on the table? And then if the Jets trade him, will a team actually give them a package that's worth it when the Jets have control of him for the next essentially three years? So there are so many different possibilities at play here. My my gut feeling is that he gets traded just because of how, you know, just how adamant he's been about leaving, just constant on social media with the um, not wanting to be the Jets, speaking about them in past tense, uh, talking about how Marcus May was his favorite teammate to play with with the Jets. Um, so when you just see these things all the time, that's what my inclination is. But at the same time, it's just Twitter, and it's one of the last things that actually matter in this whole scenario. So it, we are kind of we are kind of misguided in that we're judging things based on social things that happen on social media, even though they don't play too big of an impact. But with just how constant he's been with it and how uh, just very clear cut he's been about not wanting to be there, it's tough to see him playing, putting on a Jets uniform again. But at the same time, his contract says that he needs to put one on this season. Uh, And logic says that it doesn't make a lot of sense for him to not put one on this season if the Jets don't trade him because he's going to be losing out on a lot of money this season. Uh, and also uh, an accrued season of play that is big in determining his future contract situations. And and also just flat out, he 
is clearly a player who loves the game and just doesn't seem like the type of guy who would want to sit out a season. And it's a prime year of his career that, you know, wasting that can lose quite a bit. And it's just another chance to, you know, just play football and compete for a championship. And I don't see him doing that. So there is that argument uh, if the Jets keep him that he would actually play for them in spite of everything that's happened so far. But my gut feeling right now is that he will get traded and if he does get traded, my the team that I think is most likely uh, is probably the Seahawks in terms of there are just all the reasons we listed before. Uh, but would I actually think it? Would, do I think a trade to the Seahawks is likely to happen? No, just because there are so many different possibilities. But uh, I think he's probably going to get traded not anytime soon. Probably not until right before the season. Uh, but that's probably what I would lean towards right now. But I really nothing would surprise me just because there's so many different ways that it can play out. Right. Yeah. I I agree with you. I think that he will get traded. I think you're right. I don't think he's going to be traded next week. I think that Joe Douglas is going to, you know, attempt to uh, gain back some leverage and that's just by showing teams that they are committed to having Jamal Adams play the season in New York. I would expect Jamal to probably hold out a training camp. I think he might swallow some fines. Um, I agree with you. I think he will play in every game, though, because he'll lose an accrued season uh, and money. And, you know, as you said, he's the ultimate competitor. He wants to win um, and he wants to play. So he will play. Um, but I think, yeah, I think the big thing that we talked about earlier was was the fact that if he plays and he gets hurt, then you just have an even bigger mess. I think that it's pretty clear that he wants out. I think it's pretty hard uh, to send him out there in front of the fans and uh, into the team as, as your leader as a guy who just clearly doesn't want to be here. And I think Joe Douglas knows that, but he also knows that he wants to get, if he's going to trade him, he wants to get max value. Cause as you said, he, he will play for the jets if, if the jets do nothing. Um, so the way he does that is he just waits. He doesn't re- respond or react to Jamal Adams's claims. He listens to phone calls. If he gets a really good offer, he takes it. But if not, he's just going to wait and wait. And we may get into training camp. We may get into some preseason games. He may still be holding out. Maybe he is practicing. Maybe he's playing. Um, but the, the longer he waits, the better offer he, he gets. I mean, I would say that at the latest, I think he gets traded at the trade deadline. I think he gets probably moved before the season, but, uh, I think from now until the trade deadline, the clock is on. I don't think the relationship is probably salvageable. Maybe, maybe it is, maybe, you know, I don't know, but there's certainly some issues that need to be repaired, um, before that happens. Um, so in my mind from now until, uh, until the trade deadline, I think I would just be you know, wondering when a Jamal Adams trade will happen. I think, I think I agree with you. I think it'll happen in August. I think it'll happen before the season, but kind of late training camp. That's when the Jets will get somebody kind of around the time. If you remember the uh, Sheldon Richardson for Jermaine curse and a second trade, really random trade to just bring up, but I think it'll be kind of I around. I actually then. have that in mind. That's the exact one I was thinking about. I'm so not I'm... too random about oh, 10 days before the season. I right. think is a good target. I think that's exactly, I think, you know, maybe around that fourth preseason game right after you give the, the new guy, you know, a week or two to, to learn the playbook and get caught up, you know, assuming you trade for a guy, maybe it's just picks. Um, and yeah, and I think, and maybe you trade him in the off season or you trade him at the trade deadline, but um, if the Jets aren't, aren't competing. Um, but I will say if Joe Douglas does believe, and we'll learn a lot about it, it will learn a lot about, uh, you know, and I've, I've kind of maintained that Joe Douglas is going to say that they want him here for life because that's the only way they keep leverage, but we'll learn a lot when we hear him speak to the press during training camp. We'll just be able to hear kind of the way he talks about Jamal. And if he believes that he can salvage a relationship with Jamal and that he believes that they will 
get a contract done in 2021 and that maybe Jamal's rhetoric changes. You know, I think that Joe Douglas does want him here. I don't think that Joe Douglas just wants to trade him because, you know, he didn't draft Jamal and he, you know, will get the picks to build his team. I think Joe Douglas came here thinking that Jamal was going to be a big part of what he was building. So I don't think he wants to lose him. But if, uh, you know, if Jamal keeps forcing his hand with, you know, pretty much different social media antics every day, um, I think it just becomes more and more likely. But yeah, Joe Douglas will stand pat. You know, he's not going to react to it immediately. And hopefully some team will call him with a good enough offer. It's like you're getting either multiple picks, um, you know, a top pick and a, and a good player. Um, as we said, the ideal scenario is a top pick and a good player that's, that's helped for Sam. That's, that's the ideal scenario. So I agree with you. I think Seattle is a team that I'd keep an eye on for, for the, the reasons we listed, the needed safety, the, the, willing to, the willingness to make these blockbuster trades. They've worked with Joe Douglas in the past. They do have a guy in Tyler Lockett that um, you know, would be quite interesting and, and quite intriguing for Gase in this, this Jets offense. So uh, maybe it won't be for Tyler Lockett. You know, I could see the issues with, with trading their top receiver, especially you, know, you don't, you don't want to upset Russell Wilson at all. But um, I agree. I think Seattle is, is more likely than Dallas. Um, in fact, I would, say, I would say that I think Jacksonville is probably more likely than, than Dallas. I think that the – I mean, unless the Cowboys – really have a plan and how they're going to, you know, pay Dak, Amari, Zeke, and Jamal, whether that means that maybe they offer Amari. That wouldn't make much sense in my mind because they just paid him. Um, you know, maybe they have a plan to, to get rid of Zeke after a year or something. I, I don't know. But as I said, it seems like Jamal wants to be in Dallas more than Dallas wants or needs him. Um, I can see the Texans. And then I, you know, I keep an eye on the Eagles, you know, uh, I, they are, I think they were the second most, uh, uh, predicted team by Vegas or something like that. So I keep an eye on those teams, but I think you're right. I think the Seattle is kind of the most likely as far as the need, the cap space, the willingness, having a, a, a relatively young receiver and a, and a first round pick to offer. So I'd keep an eye on them, but yeah, I, I do think he'll ultimately get traded. Um, well, that'll probably do it for our, our Jamal Adams uh, podcast. Uh, Michael, anything else you want to add to? I mean, look, the, the situation's changing every day. Who knows what will be happening in July, um, whether the situation gets worse, which it looks like it probably will, or maybe it gets mended at all. Um, but with the way Jamal Adams is tweeting, he certainly doesn't expect to be a New York Jets. So I don't expect him to, to participate in training camp if he's still in the roster, and, and that'll just further and further the headlines and the speculation about where he's going to go. But obviously, uh, at least it gives us something to talk about. So there's that. There's, there's that positive. Um, Anyways, um, as I said, that'll do it for us. You can follow us at CYJPod on Twitter. You can follow Michael at Michael underscore Nania. You can find this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, whatever. Just look up Cool Your Jets. And then you can also uh, find us at JetsXFactor.com, which has all the Jets content you need. Um, ton of posts every day. Really high quality stuff, and they'll keep you up to date on this Jamal Adams um, BS, I guess is what I should say. You know, I think we're a little – more down than we usually are just because it's kind of depressing the Jets drafted um, the best player since Revis that they've had. I mean, he was the guy that was going to really help turn this around. He was definitely a fan favorite. It's just pretty jarring how fast um, this has turned around. And so yeah. it's a little upsetting, but um, you know, again, as you said, I, I think there are some fans who are kind of overreacting to this. It's like Jamal doesn't really owe Jets fans anything. Uh, even if he talked about how he was going to be a culture changer or whatever, it's like, he doesn't owe Jets fans anything. I mean, he's, He's basically an independent contractor. So if he doesn't want to be here, we don't know the full story. 
there's definitely more than money as, as it's been alluded to in Antonio Camardi's tweets and even Jamal Adams, own tweets. So we just kind of have to uh, sit back and, and wait and see what happens. But you know, it does, it does not look good. Uh, for Jamal and the Jets. Allen back to throw again. Throws one over the middle. It's tipped and it's intercepted. CJ Mosley's got it. Runs right to the 10. 